Okay, so tonight what we're going to be learning is Ostalid um, in Sefer Reshmilin from Rav Kook. Now, like all the other Osios that we've seen so far, still in the first few letters up to about Zion or Ches, there's still going to be a sequential order that Rav Kook paints throughout the entire Osios process. So as if Ki'ilu, that the letters themselves are telling a story. Now, this is not going to necessarily be true with each of the Osios, but at least for now, we see how Aleph leads to Bez and Bez leads to Gimel. And this week, we're going to Ostalis, or an Ostalid. So last week, we discussed how after the instantiation or HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealing his capacity towards limitation or his Koyach HaGvul Bebilti Gvul, by the Os Bez, Hashem Kabyachal creates the Chalal HaPanui. Hashem creates the vacant space through which all of reality is going to be mediated so that the expression of spirituality that we find in Metzius, in the world, after the Os Beis, when there's apparent duality, will be limited enough to allow for there to be separateness, will allow for there to be things that appear to be other than God. And then through that duality or through that first inception point of multiplicity, so we come to the Os Gimel, which we already discussed last week, is a paradoxical Os in the sense that on the one hand, the Gimel is the Eridah, the Gimel is a descent from unity. It's a descent from the supernal realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's relationship with the world into a world of differentiation, into a world of the Midbar, into a world where a person has to make Birchas HaGomel, related to the camel, which is the animal that carries the weight of things through the Midbar, through the desert. And we find ourselves in the Os Gimel with this paradoxical notion that on the one hand, we're removed now from the Aleph and from the Beis, but on the other hand, this descent, this yerida, this removal from clarity gives birth to speech. And Rav Kook ended Os Gimel with the beautiful Lashon of Gay Omek. The depth of the Gimel leads to the Dibor, leads to the Mal of the Dibor. So this descent away from clarity actually gives us the ability to speak and grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, something that we didn't discuss with regards to the Gimel is the fact that in line with Luriana Kabbalah, in line with what the Arizal was describing in the Seder of Eitz Chaim, after the Tzimtzum and after the Kav, after Hashem replaces the original light of Ein Sof, and he re-enters a ray of light, the Kav of light, to give life and spiritual meaning to existence, HaKadosh Baruch Hu then, so to speak, allows this Kav to break off into a triparate system of Yemin, Smol, and Emsa, of right, left, and middle. That the entirety of existence, the entirety of being, is a process of the interrelationship between the right, which represents chesed, the left, which represents din, and the emsa, which represents the midah of teferis, or mercy, or rachamim, which is a composite of the two, if you will, a synthesis of the two. And everything, including the siros, including the olamos, including the partsufim, as discussed in the Arizal, and also in the Ramak, as we see from the Gra that these three lines, these shloishakavin of Yemin, Smol, and Emsa, or Tichon, Emtsai, and Chitzoni of inner, middle, and outer, they are the bedrock of existence. Everything is compared to the three, to the Gimel Avos, to Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, to Shacharis, Minchen, Mariv, to Kohanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim, as we saw last week. But what Rav Kook is going to add now with the Ostalid is that for every three, there also has to be a fourth. For every 
relationship between the right, left, and the middle, between Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, between Shacharis, Mincha, and Mariv, between the ordered way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world through the dialectical process of right, left, and center, there's also going to be a fourth level which comes to complete it. This is going to be referred to by the Zohar and the Arizal as Regel Haravi Isha B'Markava, the fourth leg of the chariot, which is very often associated with David HaMelech. So on a certain level, yes, we have Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, but we also have David HaMelech, David Malka Mashicha, who comes to fulfill this fourfold process, that he is the summation, if you will, or the culmination of the process of the Avos, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. We see this on Shabbos, we see this by davening, where we have Shacharis Minchen Marav, which is connected to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, and we have every day Tikkun Chatzos, which is the Tvila, which is going to be compared to David HaMelech. So we see that there's always going to be a fourth that comes to culminate the process. Now, in terms of the triadic structure, that is typically going to be described, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the ability to interact with the world through three modes. One of them is going to be the right, the amin, which is going to be the concept of chesed, an expression or the revelation of godly light. The next is going to be the left, which is going to be din and gvura, which is the cessation of divine expression or the limitation of divine expression for the sake of revealing it in a healthy and proper way that's manageable to be received by human beings. And the middle is going to be the Kavha Emtsa'i. The middle line is going to be the synthesis between the two of them. It's going to be the Darga of Yaakov Avinu, who summarizes the life of his grandfather as well as his father. Malchus is the culmination of that process. For Chesed, Gvura, and Teferes, or Chesed, Din, and Rachamim, there's always going to be a Malchus. There's always going to be the level of kingship, which now has the ability to receive this influx, to receive this expression of divinity, and receive it for the sake of revealing it to things that are lower than it. So when we talk about the Osdalid, we're always already talking about David HaMelech, and in turn, we're also talking about the Bechina of Malchus, this notion of kingship, this notion that Hashem, in order to allow His expression to find its way into the lower realms of being without nullifying limitation through the infinite light of God, there had to be constriction, there had to be mitigation, there had to be a a minimization, if you will, of the divine light. And Malchus, kingship, is the way through which Hashem reveals himself to his creations, Kavyachol. We know from the Svarim HaKadoshim, from previous Mikubalim, way before the Arizal, the concept of Ein Melech Am. Last week we discussed a few of the Shitos, at least in the Arizal and in Eitzchayim, as to why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, whether it was Kichay Katay or whether it was in order that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could allow his potential to be known in actuality. But there's a, a prior answer given, which is Ein Melech Am, that there is no concept of kingship without a community. There is no concept of rulership without minions to rule over. So in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be Melech Malchem Lachem, to be the king of the world, to be the king of existence, to be Mamlech himself over the entirety of the cosmos, there needed to be separation. There needed to be a group of individuals who were removed and separate and apart from God so that they can, through their own volition, through their own Bechira, which we discussed in Oskimel, actually accept that kingship. So after Oskimel, when we talk about the process through which Hashem is going to reveal himself for the sake of manifesting in a world of limitation, through the act of Bechira, through the act of volition, which allows the spiritual subject to endow himself with a deeper sense of intensity through the spiritual relationship, Ostalid is going to come and show us that space 
that space of Malchus, that way, if you will, that Hashem reveals himself in this world. And again, everything about Malchus is profoundly paradoxical. Um, it's arguable to claim that there's nothing that the Arizal was coming to say that is not contained within the concept of Malchus. Malchus, on the one hand, is known as the lowest of the Svirot. It comes after Chachma, Bina, and Das, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hod, Yesod. We get Malchus. So Malchus is always referred to as the feminine aspect of receptivity, the ability to receive things through a passive act. It's described as the moon, which is lacking its own light, lacking everything that it doesn't receive from the sun. It's referred to as Dala Va'ania, as impoverished and poor. Dala, again, associated with the Os Dalid, which implies poverty or destitution. But on the other hand, we also know that Malchus is rooted in Ein Sof. Malchus is not only the lowest manifestation of divinity in the world, but it's also rooted in the loftiest place throughout the Seder HaEshtalshalus. And, and this is an idea that's described in Sifri Chasidus, and it's implied in the Svarim of the Arizal as well, that for something to manifest in the nether regions, for something to descend from clarity, to descend from or, to descend from divinity, down through the series of, of interrelating parts, down to the lowest part of creation, it needs to have within its depths a lofty, and if not the loftiest spiritual capacity, so that it doesn't lose sight of its mission, so to speak, even when it's removed from the face of God and from the face of its creator. So Malchus, on the one hand, has the capacity to be yoreid down into the lowest aspects of existence, what we know through the Zohar and through the Arizal as Shkinta Begalusa, the nature of God's presence in exile, which means that just as the Jewish people are in exile in the personal suffering of each Jew, in the collective suffering of the Jewish people, in the collective Hester, the Hastara, that the Jewish people find themselves in throughout history, the Shechina is there with them, so to speak. This divine presence, the feminine quality, if you will, of receptivity and passivity and waiting and, and quiet and silence that spends its time with the Jewish people down in the lowest parts of ourselves and in the lowest part of our existence. For that sake, for, for Malchus to be able to manifest down here, it has to be on a certain level rooted in the loftiest place in Ein Sof. And this comes out most clearly in the Arizal in Shar Yud Gimel, which is the Shar where he discusses as Erech Anpin and Atik Yomen, which we know as, as Keser, where he says that the original Ten Sphiros, that came out through the process of the Kayach HaGvul, Bibilti Gvul. So the first instantiation of limitation through the spheros, which we described as Kayach HaGvul, what we find is that we only had nine spheros. We had Chachma, Bina, and Das, Chesed, Gvura, Teferes, Netzach, Hod, and Yisod. So the Arizal asks, based on the Zohar and Parshas Noach, where do we find Malchus here? There's no Malchus to be found in the upper realms of creation. So what the Arizal answers is that at this lofty level, Malchus is Keser itself, that we know that Malchus is the level of Ani, it's Anuchius, it's the ego, it's the ability of an individual to feel that they are all that matters, that their individualized existence is the end-all be-all of what creation is all about. The Anuchi, the selfhood that stands between the individual and infinitude, especially when read through the lens of Chabad Chassidus, where the purpose of Avodah Hashem, at least on a certain level, is bitul ha'ani, or bitul b'mitzi, is the nullification of the self. But here we find that the self, the ani, 
is rooted in the ayin, is rooted in the same osios, the nothingness, the divine naught, the elevated space of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interaction where all we can say is what it is not because it's so lofty. And anything, any positive assertion that we claim about the space of ayin, the space of keser, would be tantamount to a denial of its koach. So all we can say in, in, in the spirit of the Rambam and the Leshem and the Arizal is what it is not. And ani, the ani of Malchus, is rooted all the way up there in the place of the ayin, in the place of reshadlo isyada, the unknowable head. So on a certain level, malchus appears to be devoid of meaning. It appears to operate in a world that is devoid of structure, devoid of cause and effect, devoid of scharba onesh. But on the same level, that hester, that concealment that we see in the revealed manifestation of Malchus in this world is in fact just a reflection of the infinitude of Reshad Lo Isyada, the Ein Sof itself, which due to its greatness and due to its infinitude appears to be without structure and without order. So the confusion and the sveikos that we find ourselves confronting in the world of Malchus, in the world of Dalit, in the world of destitution and Dalus, and David Amelech, who referred to himself as Dalva Ani Ani, that confusion, that impoverishment of spirit, that destitution of the soul is in fact rooted in the loftiest place in the Yechida of the Nefesh, which is rooted in the Keser the in Sof Kavyachol, which is the Reshad Lo Isyada, which is so lofty that we can't even begin to grasp it. And again, this is something that's very much connected to Purim, as we discussed in Oskimel, that on Purim, we, we come to the Tachlis Hayadiyah Shloneida, that a person realizes that the ignorance of the level of Malchus, the ignorance that comes with the inability to discern what is right and what is wrong and what is up and what is down, is in fact rooted in our inability to ever fully grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So on a certain level, this animalistic ignorance that, that the Jewish people experience on a day-to-day level is rooted in the loftiest level of the neshama. So we're going to see throughout the Ostalit that on the one hand, it is the manifestation of being, it is the manifestation of limitation, it is the actual geographic and geometric location of existence. But on the other hand, it, it gives us the ability to return back to the Aleph. So after we descended from the Aleph through the Bays and through the Gimel, the Dalit now is the stamp, if you will, of that entire process actually manifesting. But in its manifestation, it also now allows us to return back to the beginning, back to the Aleph, so that the Bays and the Gimel that seem to separate the Aleph because of their act of Tzimtzum and the Chalala Panui and the Yerida L'Tzara Chaliyah, the Ostalit is the first letter that now allows us to re-enter back into the space of the Aleph. But there's a Chiddush here, and this will be the last introduction before we start reading the text itself. It's only through the Malchus, it's only through Hashem revealing Himself in limitation in a world of, of matter, in a world of measurements, in a world of Dalus and destitution, it's only through operating within that realm of measurement and, and impoverishment that we're actually now capable of relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because as we said, in the Os Aleph, we are nullified because of the Ein Sofiut of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because of the infinitude and the vastness of the Aleph, to the point that all we can understand of the Aleph is its backside, is its Targum, is the Acharayim, is the dreamlike state that a person experiences when they're in a state of slumber. In the Os Beis already, we understand that the line that connects the top of the Beis and the bottom of the Beis is a separation between the actual and ideal level of Hashem in the world and what we actually perceive. And there's still no space of Avodah Hashem there. 
through the Gimel and the Dalid, we set up a world of limitation of measurement, a world that is seemingly devoid of Kedusha and devoid of God. And only in those worlds, only in the world of Malchus and destitution, do we now have the ability to be Makabalo Malchus Shemayim? Do we now have the ability to actually recognize that there is a God? And as we know from Rabbi Nachman, and as we know from all the tzaddikim, that the ability to bring God down into the nether realm, into the nether regions, into the Dira Betachtonim Mamish, into the world of limitation and physicality, reveals a much deeper level of godliness than had there never been separation at all. Because it's one thing to bring God down into a world that is fit for God. It's one thing to bring Hashem down into a world that is not other than God. But it's another thing altogether to force HaKadosh Baruch Hu to bring himself down into a world that is seemingly the opposite of godliness. And this is what the Medrash means according to the Rebbe Rashab as he explains it in Hemshech Samach Vav. This is what it means to say that Ratzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu Niyos Laudir B'Tachtonim that God, so to speak, wants that when it, it, it was awakened in the divine will, so to speak, to manifest himself in limitation, it was for the sole purpose of revealing a deeper level of God that can also interact with limitation and the dalus of the Ostalid. So now we're going to begin with this in mind to look at the Ostalid. So Rav Kook says as follows, Hadalid hasichlis, Hadelet hasichlis, the Ostalid. When we look at the word Dalit, when we look at the way we spell out the word, it's Dalit Lamed Taf. Delas, which means door, Hadelas Hasichlis, the door of perception, the door of the mind. The opening unto the profound spiritual enlightenment that a person is capable of receiving in this world. That includes Chidushe Torah, that includes pieces of Amuna and Bitachon, that includes holy speculation, Hitbonanut de Kedusha. This represents tefillah and hispodidus, all hasagos ha'elyonos, every ability that we have to grasp something lofty through the delas hasichlis, through the doors of our perception. Habilti mugvelas kishurihi b'chol hamugvel hakatsuv. Our ability to draw down these enlightenments, these ideas, is rooted in the fact that habilti mugvelet, the unlimited, the aleph, as we said, the ein sof, Kishurahi b'chol hamugval hakatsuv is also attached and inherently connected to everything that is mugval and katsuv, to everything that is limited and measured. So here again, we see, just to retrace our steps to ensure that we understand what Rav Kook is saying here, he's saying that now that we find ourselves in the mugval and the katsuv, now by the ostalid, we already find ourselves by a world of limitation and measurement. Nevertheless, through the dela tasichlis, through the door of perception, through the ostalid, we have the ability to draw down and reveal the connection of the bilti mugvelas that is kishura within the ghul itself, the unlimited that is contained within the ghul in a paradoxical sense. Now, Delet and Dor, the association between Malchus being a Dor and the Ostalet being Delet, is also described in the Zohar as the Shem Adnus, Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, um, which is a shame of Din, which is the name that HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses to reveal his Malchus in the world, which is what Hashem does when he's interacting through a king vis-a-vis his people. So, Aleph, Dalad, Nun, Yud, spelled out, Bemiloi, with each letter spelled out and in the fullness of its letter, becomes the gematria of 671, which according to the Arizal is Tara, 
Now, Tara is the Aramaic word for gate. So this is where we come onto the idea that Malchus is a gate. It's the entryway that we have from within the limited world back up to Hashem through Malchus de Kedusha, which Rav Kook describes as dimyon, as the, imaginative, as the imaginative process that we have, or as emuna, as faith. But whichever way you want to interpret the capacity of Malchus within an individual, whether it's the imagination of a person or whether it's the faith and, and Haba Hatalia, obviously, it's the gate, it's the Sharla Hashem, it's the Zos, that Bezos Yavo Aaron Ala Kodesh. It's the thisness, it's the moment that a person is in through which they connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they reveal on a certain level the connectivity and the inherent connectivity between the infinite and the finite. Rav Kook continues, Hadalus, destitution. So the word delet and dor, which is associated with the word dalid, is also associated with dalus and impoverishment and destitution, which means the vacancy or the privation that we experience in this world, the absence of what we need. The ani is always knocking, the ani is always davening, the ani is always in need of something, recognizing its lack, recognizing the fact that it doesn't have what it needs at that moment. So here Rav Kook says exactly what we tried to explain before. Rav Kook is saying as follows. He's saying that it is specifically this impoverishment of being. It is specifically the privation that we experience on the day-to-day level, the absence of God, so to speak, the hester of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ad kedekach, that it applies to each and every individual's yisurin, like Chazal tell us, that a person puts their hand into their pocket and takes out the wrong coin. That is also going to be associated with the hester that comes through Malchus Kadisha. And Rav Kook says as follows, he says, this impoverishment, the impoverishment of the expression of existence, of yeshut, of the ought of godliness, of the revelation of God in the world, and this goes back to what we were describing in the previous pieces of Rav Kook, that the hester itself is what causes the giloy. It's not a cause and effect, but rather it's a simultaneity between the concealment and disclosure. The impoverishment is what allows us to actually have the ability to now draw down Hashem into this world. Because if it were not for the impoverishment, if it were not for the dalut hayesh, if it were not for the privation and the concealment of Hashem's infinitude, there would be no room for Bechira like we discussed. And the entire process of the Aleph phase, as we're going to see, is the process through which Hashem reveals Himself through His infinitude, through His Ein Sofiyut, into the realm of Sofiyut, into the realm of limitation, without losing His infinity and without negating the presence of finitude. So it's the ayin v'yayish be'echad, it's the tre hafachim benosa echad, that's what the Aleph base is coming to teach us, as we'll see. And it's becoming clearer by the Ostalid that the concealment of infinitude, the aniyus shel haspas hayesh p'shem b'metziyas ha'mugvelas, zosi ha'goremes, that's what causes and allows us to draw down through our hasaga, to open up the door, to open the door of our minds, to now have the ability to contemplate and walk through an entranceway, 
to move from strength to strength, to go from one level to the next, to reveal Kedusha, to reveal godliness and divinity in a way that had not been revealed before. Had there not been this descent, had there not been this concealment, there would have been no room for the door. And had there not been a door, we would have had no way to enter into Kedusha, to enter into the Beis Kedusha, like Rabbi, Nach- Rabbi Nassim talks about so much. Now the Delas, as we'll see, a door is, is somewhat of a liminal space, that a door can be used as an entrance or an exit. So this door that we're experiencing, the Ostalid, the Malchus itself, on the one hand is the lowest aspect of Hashem's presence in the world, but vis-a-vis creation, vis-a-vis the limited nature of human beings, Klape us, it's the loftiest. The Malchus is all we have a relationship with. Kabbalah Samalchus Shemayim. And all of our Kavanos are to be Mamshech Malchus. So our job now is to open that door that has been revealed to us and to process through it to Lalechas Mechayel El Chayel, to draw down from strength to strength, which comes back to what we were discussing before, which means to draw down a loftier level of Ein Sofiyut, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, into the world, something that would not have been possible had there not been a limitation and a door. Hadelet says Rav Kook, Higam Kein Meromemes. The Delet is not simply a Yerida, like we said. It's not simply the lowest level of the Esser Spheros. It's not simply, it's not simply the Malchus but it also allows us to be meromim. It also is the entryway for us to elevate ourselves back up to Kedusha, back into Kedusha. This sho'eves es leshet ha'chayim me'mayanot ha'tahom ha'elyon. And it draws down and it irrigates the individual in this world. It irrigates that, that personal soul, that personal experience from the ma'ayanos ha'tahom ha'elyon, from the streams of the elevated depths that the Malchus, the door, allows us to draw down a level of spirituality into this world that was hitherto unaccessible. And on the one hand, it appears to be Yerida, but on the other hand, the entry into this door through Yerida is also Yerida L'Tzara Chaliyah. It also now allows us to enter back through that door, enter through that door of Malchus, and draw down, Dala, Dala, says Rav Kook, Al Yidei Hamon HaRishamim HaGeshamim B'Mekomam, through all of Yeshut, through all existence, to the point that everything becomes a space through which we can draw Hashem down into the world. That Marabuma Asacha Hashem Hulam Bachachma Asisa, that everything in the world is, is a way to be Makana HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is a way to draw down HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the world. Now, Rav Kook is going to describe for us now the two lines of the Ostalid. And as we're going to see, very importantly, we have the top line and we have the bottom line. Now, this little kotz, this little kutz of the Dalid that extends backwards is not part of the upper line but it's rather part of the lower line, which leans back. And it leans back, connecting to the top of the Dalit in a way that this little extra coats, this little extra nakuda, is part of both lines, and it connects both of them together. And Rav Kook is going to be discussing now the differentiation between these two lines. So as we said, Malchus is represented by the Ostalid. It represents existence. And as we see throughout Svarim HaKadoshim, so much of existence so much of the world itself is contained within the number four, is contained within the letter Dalit, the four directions and the four children and the Shacharis, Mincha, Marev, Tikkun, Chatzos and the four exiles and the four Malchias, 
that have that have been Israel in exile and the four seasons and the four letters of the name of Hashem and the Arbi Yisodos Eishmaim Ruach and Afar and the four levels of Domim Sameach Hayim Medaber that everything and, and the Maharal expresses this in multiple places everything is contained in four everything of this worldliness is contained in four so what Rav Kook is now going to open us up to is a concept that's going to be found throughout the Osios where he's going to break existence up, break reality up into two categories. Those two categories are going to be what we know as kamus ve'echus, uh, quality and quantity. So Rav Kook happens to be drawing this from the Rambam and Mordevuchim, who in turn was drawing this from Aristotelian thought in terms of Aristotle's categories of, ontolo- of ontology. But for Rav Kook, kamus ve'echus, again, kamus, which is kama, quantity, and echus, which is ech, the how of something, the what of something, or the essence of something, these are going to represent for Rav Kook two fundamentally separate yet interconnected categories that make up existence. On the one hand, echut, or quality, is going to be the ideal level of a thing. Rav Cook was always talking about the ideals of things, things in their purified form, things in their idea form before they actually insert themselves into existence and are then mitigated and misconstrued through the reality itself. Kamus, on the other hand, represents the quantity of a thing, the changes that take place to something as it finds itself in existence. Now, this aligns itself very nicely to what the Maharal describes all the time as Homer and Sura, as form and matter, that the Tsura is the spiritual shape of something prior to its defilement through the mundane material world, and the Homer is the material matter that makes up that Sura. And it's also what we're going to find, in my opinion, in Sifrei Chabad, which is based on the result as etzem and giloy, that the etzem of something, the essentiality of something, the essential point of something is that thing in its essence before it is revealed, before it can be changed, before it can be multiplied to the extent that it loses its original existence. Now, the essence of something, the etzem or the echus of something or the tsura of something is the kedusha of that thing, the neshama of that thing that remains unaffected and unbothered and undirtied and unsullied by the reality of the real world. The ideal, in a certain sense, is purified and remains protected from the changes and the pollution of the reality of the world. The kamus, on the other hand, is going to be the giloi. The quantity is how the thing is revealed, to the extent that something in its quantum form in its manifoldness in this world already loses its original structure. It can already lose its primary goal. For example, as the Maral would tell us, an eights, a tree, is the essential form of something, something that is created from the ground, something that grows from the ground. When a person takes wood from a tree and builds a table out of that, so it's no longer apparent that we're dealing with the same wood but the wood itself contains within it the essential nature of its original space, which was the tree, but through its changes and through the manipulation of matter and its quantity and its material nature, it no longer looks the way it looked originally. So for Rav Kook, Eichus remains this spiritual ideal, the thing in itself, before it changes, before it undergoes any diminution or pollution, And the kamus of the thing, the quantity of the thing, is going to be that thing as it manifests in reality through the limitation and the concealment that affect it. Famously, the Raghachavar Gon used these concepts in halachic 
matter, and a person can look at Rav Menachem Kasher's Chusia Ganolinu Sefer, Mefaneach Sfunos, and there's an entire chapter on Chomer and Sura and how the Ragachavar, in the most brilliant way possible, utilize these concepts. Lahalacha, Rav Yosef Engels, Chusia Ganolinu, also in Nakachtov, and Aswanda Araisa has a number of Chakiros and Shitos as to whether Kamus is Machria the Echos or the Echos is Machria the Kamus, Vuchule Vuchule. What we're going to see with Rav Kook is something profound, and he hinted to this in Os Gimel, where last week we said that the He'elem Ha'echus Hu Ha'giloi Shel Ha'kamus, that the concealment of quality is the disclosure or the revelation of quality, which again points to the fact that, of quantity, I'm sorry, that the concealment of quality is the revelation of quantity, which means that quality and quantity, or the etzem and the giloy of something, or the kedusha and the whole of something, are not two separate categories, but rather two iterations, two ways of expressing the same thing. And this goes back to what we discussed in Ospais with regards to the formation of the kalim, that contrary to popular belief, which is that there's a binary of Orod and Kalim, which are opposite to one another, what the Arizal shows us in Shara Akudim, and Rav Kook is working on this with the Leshem and Rabbeinu Ezriel, which is that the Kalim are not other than the light, but rather the Kalim are a differential manifestation of the light in their materialization, in their crystallization. But what this does for us on a practical level is that instead of confronting physical reality, instead of confronting limitation in the world and assuming it to be something completely other than godliness, what Rav Kook and our Sadiqim are showing us that a person has the capacity to contemplate, like Rav Kook says, through the Delas HaSechlis, through the door of perception, to contemplate physical matter enough, not physical matter, but the world of limitation, that they can see that it's nothing but a Hester of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when we recognize that it's the Hester of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like Rav Tzadok tells us and Rav Nachman tells us all the time, that itself is a form of a Gilu. That itself, recognizing that something is simply a veil of something else, is already a nullification, is already a bitl, is already a piercing of that veil. And these ideas are going to become much more clear as we continue through the process of the osios. So Rav Kook says as follows, he says, Hadal is bishnei kavod, the osdalid in its two lines, the top and the bottom, yitair es ha-kamus ve-es shel ha-olam ha-mugval. It describes and shows us the quantity and the quality of the limited world. Ha-eichus the quality, the tsura, right, the neshama, zehu tochen ha'elyon ha'yesodi ha'mu'uva. This is the elevated content. This is the thicker line on top. This represents the ideal of reality. The law itself in its essence, the essential nature of reality prior to its impoverishment, prior to its destitution in the world. Asher Ketseyu Hayamini, that its right point, as we said, the end point of that upper line on the right, which extends past the lower line, Koach Haoz Shebo Hamahave is the strength of, of courage within it that continues to give life and enlivens continuing to give spiritual sustenance to the multiplying quantity. So what Rav Kook is saying is as follows. He's saying that this small point at the end of the upper line, which represents the Eichus, 
that small coats, that small point that extends beyond is giving life to this line, which represents the commas, which represents the quantity. So as we said before, we don't have two separate categories of quality, which represents neshama, and quantity, which represents guf, quality, which represents etzem, and quantity, which represents giloi, quality, which represents tsura, and quantity, which represents homer, uh, giloi and hester, in sof and limitation, or in sof and simpson, it's not that there's no relationship between the two of them, but rather there's an interconnectivity between the two of them through the koach ha'oz, through that fundamental power, through that koach of infinitude to give life to the finite nature of being. And Rav Kook goes on to say, Mashir hu hakav hakamuti asayud me la'achorav. So too the kav hakamuti, so too the quantified ray, the, the line, the lower line that represents quantifiable existence, the measurements, the limitations of the world, it also leaves aside a small part so that it can maintain that relationship with the echus with the quality of existence, so that it continues to draw down Ein Sof into it, in spite of the fact that it appears as limited. Which again, comes back to what we were discussing in the beginning about Malchus, which although Malchus appears to be the lowest manifestation of creation, the lowest sphera, it's also the highest sphera, because it has nothing other than what it reveals, which is the infinitude of godliness. And this is associated with Davin HaMelech as well, if a person wants to look in the beginning of Nitziv Mitzvah from the Kamarna Rebbe's Chusiyah Ganelena, where he he discusses the name of David, which is a Dalit Vav Dalit, and we're going to see the Osvav in a couple of weeks. But the first Dalit, according to the Kamarna Rebbe, represents the Dala Enai Lamarom, the ability of a person to focus their eyes above themselves, to look towards Ein Sofiut, to elevate themselves towards that Bittal Ha'ani. And the Vav represents connectivity, and the lower Dalit of David represents Dalus Va'anius and Lesle Magar Meklum, and the nothingness of the individual. And, and this paradoxical stance of something and nothing ayin and yesh, of ego nullification and selfhood, these are both represented in the Ostalid. Because again, the Malchus itself contains this paradoxical space of allowing for there to be room for creation other than God, but on the other hand, it's only for the sake of revealing godliness even more. Ruf Cook continues, this yud that stands in the back of the ostalid, this coats, the, this small part of the yud, what it does, the small part of the dalid, what it does is it allows us this yisod hamispari, the numerical foundation, the purified sense, this dimensionless quantity, that the ability to manifest in number before manifesting in number, the ability to multiply, the ability to give birth to more, the ideal sense, the echuti, the, the ability of Hashem to reveal himself in this world is minatseach, it has power over the quantified content. So although it appears limited, it is still overcome by the quality that represents the insofiyut and the etzem. Mitocha chayil shalatochin ha'echuti, from within the strength of the quality, of the etzem, of the giloi, of the tsura, of kedusha, 
the hahavaya hamugveles and the limited nature of existence that is revealed through Malchus, it continues to grow, it continues to perfect itself, it continues to go mechayel el to the point that it returns back to Ein Sof to reveal a greater level of Kedusha, like Rabbi Itchemeyer Morgenstern tells us, it reveals the Toisefet Kishud, it reveals the additional adornment of Ein Sof Yud, that not only can it manifest in infinitude, but that Hashem Kabyachal can manifest in limitation as well without losing his infinitude. That the ayin can be found in the yesh, that the klaliyut can be found within each prat, and each prat contains within itself the klal. Hadeles hanan elet holechet patechet, the door that closes. The Malchus, which appears to be the Yerida of the world, the destitution of the world, it opens up and it allows for us to grow. Hakav hadaku The lower line of the Dalit is the, the, the small, minimized form of quantity. Hakamus. But it continues to grow through the expression of eichus, through the expression of quality into it. That this small part of the Dalit in the back that allows the eichus, that allows quality, that allows kedusha, that allows etzem, that allows the revealed nature of God to form, if you will, and actually inform the nature of limitation to the point that limitation is nothing but a secondary iteration of the infinite itself. So what I just want to end with over here is a little bit of a, a little bit of a point about this small part of the Dalit that extends past. As we see from Rav Kook, this small part of the Dalit is in fact the most important part because it, what it does is it ensures the inherent connectivity, the inherent connection between infinitude and infinitude, between insofiut and gvul. Now, famously speaking, there is two psukim. There are two psukim that have, well, there are a number of psukim, but two psukim that interact with one another that have big letters are the psukim of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. The Dalit of Echad is a Dalit Rabasi, as we will see in the Pasuk in Devarim Vav Dalit. And also the Resh of Le'el Acher, to other gods for the purpose of not believing in other gods in, in Shemos Lamedalid Yudalid. So on the one hand, we have the Dalid of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, which is big. And on the other hand, we have the Reish of El Acher, which is big. And the reason for this is because B'nai Yisrael, like the B'nai Yisrael tells us in Mamre Chodesh Adar, and the Dolmagon says this as well, and the Bas Ayin of Sfat says this as well, that the Dalit of Echad is big because we need to ensure, like children who draw big letters to remind themselves, we need to ensure to ourselves the reality, the fact that the Dalit is different than the Resh. But all that separates unity from otherness, all that separates the unity of God as described in Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, and the otherness and the Avodah of other gods contained in the, in the Pasuk Le'el Acher is simply the small kutz of the Dalit. That the difference between the Dalit and the Reish is nothing but this small extended point that allows Echus to connect to Hamus. And the Vilna Gon points out, and the Bnei Yisrael says it explicitly as well, that when Moshe Rabbeinu was on Harsinai, 
And B'nai Yisrael sin with the Cheda Egel, the first moment of Avodah and mistaking the one God for multiplicity. So what Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu is, Lech Reid Megadusecha, that the letters Reish and Dalid should go down from their enlarged size. Because like we saw, the only purpose for that enlarged size is to ensure that B'nai Yisrael understand the necessary difference between the Dalit of Echad and the Reish of Acher. But if B'nai Yisrael have been mistaken already, then Lech Reid Megadusecha, then they have no purpose of descent. They have no purpose of being large, then it's time for those letters to descend. Um, the B'nai Yisrael says very beautifully that the numerical distance between the 200 as represented by Reish and the 4 as represented by the Dalid is 196, which is Kotz, Kush, Kuf, Vav, Tzadi, which again is this Kotz, which is this small part of the Dalit that extends beyond itself, connecting the Eichus and the Kamus. And, and to end, there's a Gemara in Erevin and a Gemara in Sotan, the Chaf Amr Aleph, where Rabbi Meir comes to visit Rabbi Yishmael. And they're discussing what their job is. And, and one of the Tanayim answer that my job is to be a sofer. And Rabbi Yishmael answers, he says, Bini, he says, Bini, you have to be Zahir b'malachtecha. You need to be careful in your avoda because if you change one letter to another letter, you can destroy worlds. Because if a person destroys the small coats of the Dalit and makes it into a resh, what we're doing is we're turning the El Echad, we're turning the Hashem Echad into an El Acher the unity of God into the otherness of God. And again, this connects very much to the sugya of the connection between the Eichus and the Kamus. And the Gemara there goes on and says that I'm not worried about spelling anything wrong. I'm not even concerned about a fly. The Dilma Asyav Atagia Dedalis. I'm not worried about a fly that's going to come and sit on the crown of the Dalit, this coat that sticks out. I'm not concerned that a fly, a zvug, is going to come and sit on the ink of the extended point of the Dalit and turn it into a resh. And what our Svarim tell us is that the zvug, the fly, is represented by balzvug and, and, and all different types of vodazar, but it's personified in the, in the nation of Amalek, the, the nation that attempts to insert suffix into the ein and the yesh, insert suffix between the echad and the acher. And we see that the fight against Amalek is Medar Dar. It's from generation to generation, but it doesn't say Dor Dor, it says Dar Dar. Because again, as this firm points out, the battle that we have against Amalek is not only from generation to generation, but it's the battle over the Dalit and the Rish. It's the battle ensuring that we always continue to recognize that the extended part of the Dalit, which differentiated, differentiates itself from the Rish, is what allows us to recognize is what allows us to recognize the interconnectivity and the essential connectivity between Eichus and Kamis, between Ein Sof and Limitation. Next week, Bezor Sashem, we're going to be discussing Oshei, and we're going to see how Oshei is still in the sugya of Malchus, but it's going to be a different part of Malchus. And the Dalit, as Rabbi Nachman says in Torah Memtes, that the Dalit is nothing but the hay prior to its full manifestation, which is what we're going to be discussing next week, Ezra Sashem.